Well, good morning again. We're starting a new sermon series here. Uh, what we try to do every week is spend time setting the scriptures together because we believe that the Bible speaks with the authority and relevance of Jesus himself. And so we're starting a series from the Old Testament, from the book of Exodus, on the Ten Commandments. And it's seeing Jesus through the Ten Commandments, understanding who God is through his revelation, all the way back in Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible, so if you have a Bible, you can flip back to kind of the beginning of your Bible. It's about this far in mine. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some under the chairs in front of you, and we'll be on page 67, page 67 in the black Bibles there. It'll be Exodus chapter 20. We're starting the first commandment today, which is have no other gods, have no other gods. So Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. And I want to start off by kind of placing your mind back in the story. We, we've skipped into the story here and skipped over 19 chapters. So I want to remind you a little bit of it. It was a long, long time ago, and I want to say a galaxy far, far away, but it was a, you know, it was our galaxy. But it was in a place far, far away from here, different setting. There was an evil empire that was oppressing people. Literally genocide taking place. They were killing the Hebrew baby Boys, they were oppressing and enslaving the Jewish people. Um, they had cruel taskmasters over them. And the Hebrews, the Jewish people, were crying out to God. And God, in his grace, remembered the promises that he had made to their forefathers, and he rescued them. Now, that's a quick summary. Again, I encourage you to go read the story yourself. It's a really good story. So read chapters 1 through 19, which gives us the context for where we are here but we're picking up now in a story of a God who has now rescued a people who have been slaves for hundreds of years. And he's taking this nation of people and he's saying, now I'm going to tell you how to live as free people. So we need to understand the law in that context. God gives his law, his 10 commandments to his people as a way to live now as free people. Imagine that for generations, your people have lived as slaves you would need to be taught what it means to be free and independent. And so the law is ultimately God's revealed will. He's showing us who he is. He's showing us how he wants us to live. And it's in response to him setting us free. Now, when we study the Old Testament, sometimes we have questions about how we are to understand Jesus's relationship. So before we get into the text, I just want to read a couple of key verses that help connect the dots for us, right? Because we know Jesus shows up in the New Testament. We have the gospel stories about him. We get that, but how does the Old Testament connect to him? So here's a couple of key verses I would throw out to you. One is John 8:58. Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So Abraham was the father of the Jewish people who God appeared to, and God said, I'm going to fix what's broken in the world through your people. And when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, He's claiming that name of God by which God revealed himself to Moses, the great I am. God reveals himself, sometimes the name is pronounced Yahweh, sometimes it's pronounced Jehovah, but it means essentially that God is. He will be who he will be, and Jesus is claiming that, that he is one with this God, that he existed in eternity past. So Jesus was there. He hadn't been born yet as a baby, he didn't have the flesh of a Jewish carpenter from the first century yet, but he was there. Jesus is one with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Another key verse that we might look to is in Colossians. Colossians 2.17 says this, and Hebrews 10 repeats the same concept. But what Colossians 2.17 says 
is that all of the Old Testament rituals are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So 15 years ago, whenever the, uh, the second Star Wars trilogy came out, the one that people hate so much, right? You have little boy that was going to grow up to be Darth Vader, and there was this poster where they showed the little boy walking through the desert, and there's a shadow behind him, and the shadow looks like Darth Vader. Do you remember that? Uh, that was visual foreshadowing. It's okay. I'll tell you about it. It's visual foreshadowing, right? So they were trying to give you a hint of what was to come. Well, the whole Old Testament is casting a shadow, and that shadow points to Jesus. That's what Colossians 2 tells us, and that's what Hebrews 10 tells us. Everything in the Old Testament is leaving us crying out to see the fulfillment in Christ. And then finally, Luke 24. This is one of my favorite passages. A friend of mine actually preached on this, and I've never really seen it this way. But in Luke 24, Jesus has just risen from the dead, and he's appearing to some of his followers, but they don't recognize him. And my friend was saying, isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't just like pull back his cloak and say, surprise, right? Like, here I am, it's me. He didn't do that. Go back and read the story in Luke 24. When he's walking with his followers on the road to Emmaus, the way he reveals himself is he preaches the Old Testament to them, which blows our mind, right? Because we're, we're, it's 2018, we're starting a new year. You might be trying to read your Old Testament, and you're like, man, I don't get this, right? So we're, we're going to try to connect to the dots and show what Jesus showed to his disciples, that the Old Testament was about him. Tells us in Luke 24 that Jesus revealed himself through the Old Testament rather than showing his face to those disciples. And so that's what we want to do. We want to look at the Old Testament and go, okay, where's, where's Jesus in all this? How are we going to understand who he is and what he's doing? So that's our intro to the series, right? Ten Commandments series. Let's now look at these verses that we're going to cover today. Just the first commandment and what sometimes is called the preamble, kind of the introduction to the Ten Commandments. That's what we have in these three verses here. Read along with me. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. So most would separate out and say that have no other gods before me, that's the commandment proper. But the introduction is important as well, and we'll draw on that more as we look at it. But let me pray and ask God to help us to, to see him here. God, we thank you for your word. We do believe that you are speaking to us here, and so we pray that you would help us to hear. Help us to be listeners and learners. God, I pray for those here that have doubts, that have questions. I pray that you would give them an open mind. Help us to consider you and who you are. We pray that your spirit would meet us here and help us to see the truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we think about this context of him coming in and saving his people, we saw in that first verse that that saving is a very important distinction that he makes before he starts giving commandments. And so I want to follow that lead with my first point here and say that we need to clarify who God is. Before we start trying to do what God has said, we need to clarify who God is. Who is God? Verse 1 and 2 tells us some very important things about who God is. Number one, verse one, it tells us that he spoke. He spoke. There's a theme in a lot of modern literature that God is silent. If God would just tell me what he wants, then I'd do what he says. Well, he, he has. He's, he's spoken to you. Are you going to listen? Are you going to listen? Martin Luther made this very clear. He talked about this doctrine called the perspicuity of Scripture, which basically means that Scripture is clear. 
And again, those of us that read difficult parts of Scripture might want to argue with that. His point is is that the important things are clear. The important things are clear. God has made his will clear. Romans 1 says he's revealed his will even in creation. Even in the world, we see that God is there and we owe him something. The question is, will we listen? It says God has spoken. God spoke all these words. Verse 2, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So he's clarifying for us who he is. Before he says, don't have any other gods, he says, this is the God that I am. Do you see that? What kind of God is this? This is the kind of God that rescues slaves and sets them free. Do you understand who God is? A.W. Tozer uh, was a writer from a previous generation, um, and he said something along these lines that whatever you picture when you picture God is the most important thing about you. What do you think about that? The thing that you imagine, the thing that you think of, it may not be an image, it may be an idea, but what you picture when you picture God is the most important thing about you. And I think that this would agree. I think the scriptures would agree with that concept. R.C. Sproul said it this way. R.C. Sproul just passed away a couple weeks ago. One of the things that he was great at, um, especially early in his career, you know, he got a little more old and crotchety as he aged, but early in his career, he was fantastic at just saying, this is complex theology and I'm going to make it cleared in a way that you can understand. That was really helpful to me when I was uh, first studying the scriptures. And one of the things that Sproul used to say was, everybody has a theology. Everybody has a theology. We often say, no, theology is some like nerdy word for people that study theology, right? No, we all have a theology. Theology just literally means what you think about God. It means your words about God, your study of God. So, What do you think of about God? We all have a theology. The question is, do you have a theology that's informed by what the scripture says, or do you have a theology that's informed by your whims and your passions and just kind of whatever you think goes? That's really the question to ask ourselves. And I think we can all grow in that area. I think we could all grow in the area of searching and studying and trying to understand who God says that he is. There's a really interesting uh, scene that always stuck out to me from the 1978 Superman movie, A lot of you weren't born yet, Um, but way back in the day, one of the millions of Superman movies I'm sure that came out, there's a scene where Lois Lane is falling from a building. Superman swoops in and, of course, rescues her, and he says, it's okay, miss, don't worry, I've got you. And she says, you've got me, who's got you, right? And, And I think that's a really good question to ask. If you're looking for security in this world, if you're looking for someone to save you, to make things right, a really important question to ask is, can they do it, right? Like, it it didn't make sense to Lois that someone could fly through the air, right? That's not normal. That's not the world that we live in. And I think it's reasonable for us to ask the same question. What What am I trusting in? This God says, you should trust in me because I'm the God that can rescue you. The question is, are your current addictions and your current indulgences and your current Uh, Good habits or bad habits, are they really saving you? Are they really making things right? Or is it possible that we need to turn from those false gods and trust in the true God who says, this is the kind of God I am. I am the kind of God who rescues people. I'm the kind of God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Go back and read the story. Read Exodus 1 through 19. It's important to recount. And then what I want you to understand, just when you read the whole Bible is throughout the Old Testament, 
this rescue of his people out of slavery is the great act whereby God reveals himself as a redeemer, as a rescuer. And that's then picked up as a parallel in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we have one great act where God reveals himself as a rescuer, as a savior, and that's Jesus on the cross. And so these are parallel events to the extreme that in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus has a uh, transfigured event on the top of a mountain with his disciples, they say that he was speaking to Moses and Elijah, and they were talking to him about the exodus that he was about to accomplish. So Luke even connects the dots with his language there. He says that Jesus and his work on the cross was about to accomplish this new exodus. So God is a rescuing God. We see that in the Old Testament exodus. We see that in Jesus rescuing us from our ultimate enemy, sin and death, our ultimate slavery. The question is, who, who are you trusting in? Who do you think God is? How do you define God? What is your understanding of God? What is your theology? Like Sproul said, we've all got a theology. The question is, what is your theology? What's, what's going to fix what's wrong and what's broken in your world? Um, it's really important for us to understand that he's a rescuing God, because if we don't understand that, I think we can approach the law and think that the law is given to us as a standard by which we can win God's acceptance. It's a really common human behavior. We go to commands, we see God told me to do this, and we think, okay, if I do that, then, then God will bless me. And there's a, there's a trueness to that, right? But the problem is that no human being has ever kept God's law perfectly. None of us can do that. And so that, that leads us to a couple of weird behaviors, right? Here's a couple of ways that we go with law-keeping. We either say, forget it, God. You're trying to ruin all my fun. I'm going to go do my own thing, right? That's the non-religious way of dealing with the law. Or there's the lying, hypocritical, religious way of dealing with the law. Those of us that grew up religious, we just lie and pretend that we're keeping the law. Do you know what I'm saying? I hope you do, because if you don't, then you're still trapped in the lie, right? None of us can keep the law perfectly. So God gives us this grace, even in how he reveals the law. He says, this is who I am. I'm a rescuing God. This is who I am. I'm the God that rescues you from your slavery. Don't forget that that's who I am. That's my character. I'm a redeemer. I'm a rescuer. Now, because that's who I am, don't have any other gods, because they're going to enslave you. I will set you free, but they will enslave you. Think back on the powers that you've been serving in your life. They enslave. They don't set you free. What are the things that you're following? What are the things that you're leaning to? So if we miss this, if we miss the preamble or the introduction that God's rescuing God before he says have no other gods, we might begin to confuse 